so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome back to another episode of Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is brought to you by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. Each Monday, we dive into the most pressing and talked about technology stories in order to keep you up to date and equipped for the week ahead. Alongside this podcast, we also have an email newsletter version of Weekly Tech that you can subscribe to at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech, where you'll receive this weekly briefing via email each Monday morning. You can also grab the links of the stories we talk about in the show notes where you subscribe to the podcast. For the lead story today, I highlight an article that I wrote back in January for ERLC's Light Magazine on Christians and Cancel Culture. Back in June of 2019, there was a backlash on Twitter against the Black Hat Security Conference, which is the technology conference that was founded in 1997, and its decision to confirm Representative Will Hurd of Texas as a keynote speaker. Many within the national security and cybersecurity fields, along with many longtime attendees, voiced their utter disgust that Black Hat would have chose to highlight Representative Hurd given his pro-life convictions and voting record. Eventually bowing to public pressure, Black Hat rescinded this invitation to Representative Hurd. While the issues of abortion and cybersecurity seem to be separate and distinct, the decision to cancel Hurd's keynote address is a prime example of a new phenomenon called cancel culture. Cancel culture happens when a group seeks to cancel someone or something, often based on some single disqualifying factor. These factors can be as simple as a past tweet or an article, or as large as a deeply held religious or social belief. Those who seek to cancel someone will use anything to silence dissenting opinions or thoughts, which often leads to a breakdown of civil discourse and a weakening of our social fabric. But this cancel culture has really become the norm over the last few years. In our society, one's position on an unrelated topic can often lead to a massive fallout. Even one tweet or an offhand comment has the potential to ruin someone's career or family, especially in the hands of those who are seeking to discredit someone. So what really is cancel culture? Essentially, cancel culture boils down to the boycotting or silencing of someone, often with a threat of financial or popularity loss. While cancel culture really isn't new, this culture did become prominent in the mid-2000s with the rise of social media. And honestly, there are a lot of good and bad applications of social media. Social media does amplify the voice of all people and allow them to share their opinions publicly. But also, everything we say or share or do is often readable and stored by someone or something. Social media essentially gives everyone access to a big public megaphone. But this access to all this information has often been abused to shame those who we disagree with on some fundamental issues. What this culture reveals is this deep longing for power and control in each one of us and the lack of an honest dialogue in our society. 
we often care more about our perceived superiority or intellect over our neighbor rather than loving them by showing them respect that they deserve as fellow image bearers. Scripture talks about this in light of the fact that Christians are not called to be proud people exploiting power for our own gain, but rather ones that imitate Christ who willingly laid down his life for his enemies as we read in 1 John. James 1.19 also tells us that we should be quick to hear and also slow to speak. And Colossians 3.12 talks about the need for kindness, humility, and gentleness, and how these are foundational characteristics of redeemed individuals. As Christians, we're called to engage the culture with respect and honesty, because the way that we engage other people matters. Those who we engage with are not simply their ideas, but they're human beings created in God's image. We're to love our neighbors, especially in our online dialogues, and seek to understand someone's ideas or positions rather than simply caricature them. Some of the ways we can do this is by reading and listening to those who we disagree with and seek to rightfully represent another person's ideas rather than just being simply intellectually dishonest about what they believe. This is really summed up in a phrase that Dr. Moore, the president of the ERLC, often uses, a term called convictional kindness, which is speaking truth in love. We're to care more about loving God and loving our neighbor than we are about being right or popular. And instead of seeking power in vain, we should submit to the one, Jesus Christ, who has already won the victory, as we represent him to those in need of grace and mercy. If you want to read more, you can check out the full article link in the show notes or visit jasonthacker.com podcast. The American church is facing an abuse crisis. One of the best ways that we can protect our churches from sexual abuse is through effective and safe hiring and screening practices. But employment laws vary from state to state, and most churches aren't sure where to begin. That's exactly where the new CaringWell Hiring Guide comes in. This brand new resource from the ERLC and the Sexual Abuse Advisory Group of the Southern Baptist Convention provides a starting point for church leaders who are working to implement safe and effective hiring policies and screening practices to help prevent future abuse. You can download your free copy now at caringwell.com hiring. Next up is The Rundown, where we highlight four different technology stories that you should be aware of as you prepare for the week ahead. First up is a couple stories from Reuters about ByteDance, TikTok, and its U.S. operations. The drama surrounding TikTok's standing in the United States reached a massive breaking point last week with further news hitting over the weekend. Last Monday, ByteDance announced that it would partner with Oracle for the company's United States operations. Instead of an outright sale, the Chinese company would retain ownership of the app while Oracle would manage data from American users and also have a stake in the company's revenue that's generated within the United States. This is all assuming the deal goes through. Oracle and Microsoft were both primary parties interested in acquiring TikTok from ByteDance after the United States president threatened to ban the app if it was not sold to a domestic company. The Verge reported that Senator Josh Hawley flat out rejects the proposed partnership and insists that any deal in which TikTok is not completely divorced from the Chinese Communist Party should not be accepted by the United States Treasury. And then further developments over the weekend when news broke that the United States would ban new app downloads of TikTok in the United States beginning yesterday. Honestly, there's still a lot of uncertainty surrounding any possible deal with TikTok with things changing rapidly. As Christians, it's important that we keep the main issues of human dignity at the forefront of this debate and remember that there are deep implications for the technologies we use each day. Time will tell if these arrangements will adequately address the issues of CCP involvement with ByteDance and the national security concerns surrounding the app. 
Next up is a story coming out of Oregon, how the city of Portland has approved the strictest ban on facial recognition technology in the United States. In a unanimous decision, the City Council of Portland, Oregon, decided to ban the use of facial recognition technology by the city and for private businesses. In addition to citing the individual civil rights and privacy concerns, they also cited racial and gender bias as reasons for their decision. The city itself is barred from using the technology effective immediately, and the law takes place for businesses effective January 1st of next year. While businesses and government entities are banned from gathering or using facial biometric data, individuals will still be permitted to use facial recognition technology for private uses such as Apple's Face ID that we use to unlock our iPhones. Portland has also banned the use of facial recognition technology for police body cameras, and this more expansive legislation follows similar restrictions that have been put in place by cities such as San Francisco, Oakland, and Berkeley. The issues surrounding the use of facial recognition technology are ultimately tied to a concern for human dignity. While it is crucial that we develop and use these innovations to make our city safer, Christians should also oppose the use of any technology that unjustly targets individuals or is used to exploit vulnerable populations. We should also be aware of the many ways that facial recognition technology may pose a threat to personal privacy and seek to foster a rich social dialogue in these tools before they're widely used in public. For more information on this issue, I encourage you to check out an article that I wrote for the Gospel Coalition a few weeks ago called, Should Facial Recognition Be Used in Policing? You can find a link in the show notes. Next up is a story from CNET about how Twitter has created an online hub for U.S. election information and to combat misinformation. Twitter has recently launched a new section in its Explore tab entirely dedicated to the 2020 U.S. elections. This is a space that users can consult for live updates, live events, and other announcements related to November's election. Because Twitter is a popular platform for political discourse, the app's creators wanted to create a hub where users can find information, updates, and important information from reliable sources. This new endeavor is in line with Twitter's attempt to promote trustworthy political information online, as it's also banned political ads and begun labeling tweets containing misinformation, false information about voting. But this move has not come without controversy, however. Twitter has come under substantial fire for moderating and promoting content in a very biased manner, a claim that the social media companies denies. Even as social media companies like Twitter take information to promote reliable political information and sources, users should also be aware of the ways that these platforms still contain misinformation and inaccurate representations of news and events. As always, Christians need to be diligent about the ways that we use social media and engage with these tools, and also wise about the information that we share online. Just because something is shared on social media doesn't mean it's true or worthwhile. So we need to be the people who put wisdom and prudence first in the age of social media. The last story this week comes from USA Today about how Clemson researchers have launched a new tool called Spot the Troll that they are hoping to use to fight social media disinformation. Two researchers from Clemson University in South Carolina have released an online quiz called Spot the Troll to help social media users learn how to spot misinformation online. The purpose of this tool is to fight fake and misleading information on the internet with an end goal of maintaining civility and tempering political division. The quiz works by asking users about the validity of various news sources and social media posts, helping to identify the markers of untrustworthy sources. 
The research team was motivated to produce this tool after learning of the extremist accounts that had been posting misinformation online, as well as the foreign troll farms in countries like Russia, China, and Iran that seek to use social media to influence American voters. Even with tools like this, and with social media companies developing methods to combat misinformation on their platforms, all users should still be cognizant of the sources of information that we find online. Because our witness as Christians also applies to what we do online, we should be motivated to share content that is truthful and engages our neighbors in a loving and dignifying way. Well, from all of us here at Weekly Tech, I want to say thank you for listening. If you enjoy Weekly Tech, would you consider leaving us a review online? You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. These reviews really help us to know how we're doing and also to share information about Weekly Tech with other people. As a reminder, you can always check out the show notes for all of the stories we talk about here on Weekly Tech in your podcasting app. You can also get them directly in your inbox each week as part of the Weekly Tech newsletter that you can subscribe to at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. Thanks, and I hope you have a great week. Music.